knowledge is knowledge. I mean, that is our industry. That's what we do. We create it in our labs and we disseminate it in our classrooms and we exercise it through applied service and we preserve it in our libraries. And as long as knowledge is needed, we're going to always have a job. Welcome to the Strategy and Leadership Podcast, the podcast that brings you practical advice, lessons, and stories from senior leaders and thought leaders from around the world. The Strategy and Leadership Podcast is brought to you by SME Strategy, working with organizations around the world to create and implement their strategic plans. To learn more, visit smestrategy.net. And now, your host, Anthony Taylor. Welcome, folks. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. Um, today, I'm recording live from Little Shoot, Wisconsin. I guess it's not live if you're listening to it when I didn't record it. Uh, but my guest today is Dr. Martha Saunders, who is the president of the University of West Florida. Dr. Saunders, how are you today? I'm grand. How about yourself? Well, I'm awesome. It's a beautiful day. I hear it's a beautiful day in Florida. And I'm just so excited to hear about your experience, the things that bring you joy. And as we were talking about in the, in the pre-roll, you say, hey, you know, I've learned a couple of things in my time and in my day, and I'd love to be able to share them. So I'm excited for that. Uh, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about who you are, uh, your experience in the world, and uh, what keeps you busy these days? Sure. Well, I am president of one of the 12 state universities in Florida. Florida is a big state, and we have a lot of big universities. We have about 13,000 students here. And by national standards, that makes us a midsize. But by Florida standards, we're kind of a runt <laughs> because Florida has these huge, huge universities. But very pleased to be a part of that. We are in Pensacola, Florida which is the westernmost city. It's on the Gulf, uh, the most beautiful beaches in the world. I have to say that for the mayor. Uh, and we are the western gate to the Sunshine State, also for the mayor. <laughs> so, um, so it's a beautiful part of Florida. Our students have uh, come from all over, all over the country, all over the world, but uh, most of them are Florida students. And we're really strong on a lot of the STEM programs. Our cybersecurity program is new and setting all kinds of records, but also just a good comprehensive university education. So that's who the university is. I have been uh, in higher ed for a long time. I often say um, when my students sometimes ask me if I thought I was going to be a president when I was in college, and my answer is always no, because they didn't make women presidents of anything when I was in college. And so uh, a lot of my, uh, I guess, leadership has been influenced by the fact that I have been the first woman most of the time. <laughs> first woman dean, first woman provost, first woman president in two different universities. And I was really happy when I took on this presidency. I'm the second woman. So, you know, that's that's kind of good. And so I, I came in late in the game comparatively. I didn't stay in higher ed when I finished school. My degrees are 10 years apart each. But when I, I was invited to teach as an adjunct, walked into a college classroom to share what I knew and said this 
this is great. This is the environment I want to be in. And, uh, and that's where I've stayed for quite a few years. I also say, you know, you really cannot have a bad day on a college campus. You can have a hard day, but you're, you're surrounded by hope. You're surrounded by people who've got big plans for their lives. They, they're not too clear on what they are, but it's going to be big. You know, so I really found a home in higher ed. And it's where I've been a long time and where I want to stay and do some good. Mm, got it. So if we take the, the work that you're doing now and being involved with a lot of dreamers, you know, not dreamers, but people that are hopeful and ambitious, but also might not have the life experience that grounds them in that reality. How does one uh, lead in that environment? So either leading the educational part, leading transformation to support for the future, or even leading being the second woman or first woman leader in an environment that has previous constraints, we'll call it. So what's how's that been like for you? What's your experience? What are some things that you've learned along the way? I think one of the things that that certainly helped me along the way and that I try to do is help them visualize their dreams. You know, my dad was like the best ever. I would come home with some outrageous idea. I think at one time I was going to be an opera singer and, you know, and he not only said that's nice, honey, or great, but he would say, let's talk about what that's going to be like. And he would paint the picture for me. Uh, He would say, Now, when you open at the Metropolitan Opera in New York City, you know, Mama and I are going to be there and Mama's going to be in a long dress. I mean, he would paint that picture. And that makes all the difference. If to stop and and whether it is your, your faculty or your employees, you know, when they indicate kind of an idea of where they'd like to be, don't ever step on that idea. (laughs) but say, let's talk about what that would look like and what it would feel like and, and taste and smell. And, you know, what's it going to be like when you're there and that helps them find their way. And, and I think those of us who've been in leadership a long time have been through a lot of paths. Some of them were dead ends and briar patches and things like that, but we know the way to lots of places. And it's helpful for us to be able to help others find their way. And I think especially those of us in senior leadership, we have a responsibility. Women, none of us got here by ourselves. And I I feel like I have a responsibility to smooth the way for someone coming up behind me. We're big on that at our university. We're really big on professional development. The the downside of that is people develop themselves into into really good jobs and we lose them, but they they leave us better uh, than they found us and they tee us up to hire even more good people. So, so how do you manage? Because I you know as I mentioned, I work with a lot with a lot of educators and. Education can be a complicated industry to work in. It can be there can be constraints. There's political constraints. There are funding constraints. There are existence. You know ways that that's been for so long. And so, how do you manage that uh, optimism, big picture vision with I guess maybe like a 
disenfranchisement in some cases when they say this is how it's been. It's always going to be like, how do you practically or how have you practically held people's hands and taken them along that journey? Well, it, it, I try not to make any sudden moves, <laughs> you know, uh, they can <laughs> uh, and startle them. But I think that uh, one of the responsibilities, especially at a university, because we do have this concept of shared governance and the, the trick to making all that work is for me to be in front of the issues far enough to give us time to talk about them and think about them. So I think it's, it, this is important in any industry, but it, these days it's especially important in higher ed for me to be able to talk to my leadership and say, all right, this is coming down the pike. You know, these are the vibrations we're hearing. These are messages we're getting from legislative bodies. Now, how are we going to respond to that and still do what we're here to do? You know, our focus, our mission is to provide high quality graduate and undergraduate education and to serve society. So we have to keep an eye on that. How do we keep moving forward to do what we're doing and yet work within uh, an environment that changes and it changes a lot and you really have to be on your toes. Uh, And I think anybody that's saying, well, we'll just keep doing things the way we always did it. It's probably headed for a, a big disappointment. Things are changing too fast. And so it's on, it's on us to be in front of that change and say, Here's what's coming. How does that match up to what we're doing? So I really hear the importance of, I mean, leadership in itself can be cliche, uh, like because you hear about it so much, maybe even on our own podcast here. Uh, But the importance of that leadership of, hey, no sudden changes, but as a leader getting in front of things, kind of synthesizing all of that information allowing it to process and ruminate through the organization so that you can steer them, if not fast, but forward, such that the changes that need to be made are made. And I guess the alternate of that is that nobody leads. And if there's no leader, then that's where it stays stuck. And nobody has anybody kind of pulling them forward through those those challenges. Did I get that? Yeah, exactly. Right. And I think that, you know, our we have a responsibility to sort of winnow out what's important for our our campuses uh, and for our employees and discern what they need to be thinking about. I have known too many, too many leaders who who think their job is simply to convey information. (laughs) And, And that doesn't work very well. I mean, just you say, okay, here's what we're supposed to be doing. And I'm conveying this to my number two, and you convey it to your number two. And then uh, there's no there's no vision there. There's no energy there. There's no uh, building it into the culture there. And, and it's risky. You know, there are a, a thousand messages a day that come my way. And I have to say, this is something my campus needs to think about, or I think this can wait, or this is just noise. And I don't want to deal with that. So, and I can be wrong. Another thing that I've learned in leadership and one of my best phrases is, you know, well, that didn't work. <laughs> and so you know, to be willing to try new things, but also be equally willing to say, well, <laughs> you know, we did our best. That didn't work. 
let's uh, let's regroup. We're we're human. We're human. Well, that's I guess the if, to take it a different way. That's the difference between education and learning. If you don't fail, you don't go through those bumps. You can absorb it, but if you don't bump yourself along the way, you never really learn or grow. You're exactly right. We uh, we like to think of ourselves as a spirited community of learners, and I underscore spirited because you know not every not every flower blooms, and that is how we learn. That is how we learn. And sometimes you, if you learn to fail, you've learned a lot. Yeah, I love that, and that's such an interesting way to think about. It. I mean, we were talking a little bit about gardening earlier, uh, but the idea that not every flower blooms, and then you have to, as a leader, create the best environment to support your proverbial garden, your people, your individuals, your flowers, your plants, your grass, and and, and make sure they have not only the right ingredients but the right environment for them to thrive. And sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. But you have to be committed to. You can't just water it once and expect it to work. You have to tend to it. <laughs> Thoughts on that? The parallels between and development just and because you want it to bloom in a particular garden patch doesn't mean that's where it will bloom best. Uh, I had a, a former boss one time that also loved the garden. And he said he liked to spend his weekend. He said, I like to walk through my, he lived on a farm. He said, I like to walk through my farm and dig up plants from where God put them and put them where he meant to put them. <laughs> so, but you know, sometimes you have to move, you have to transplant things and say, you're not thriving here. Let's put you over here and see if you can thrive over here. And I move things all the time in my garden and also on my campus. And, and I'm always delighted to see, especially if a person is struggling in one job or one environment and you move them to another and the next thing, you know, they're winning prizes for, for doing such a great job. And it was only about putting them in a, in a place where they could do a good job. Well, that's, that's what a great leader is able to put people in the right place so they can be successful. And I can only imagine that through that process, your little voice in your head said, you might've said, well, what if they fail? And they probably said, well, what if we fail? And then the flip side is what if we succeed? You need that spirited nature to move that well, forward. And- you know, because we do have a business that we're running, um, uh, I I have been known to say now, this is the last conversation we're going to have about this. <laughs> you know, we're going to we're going to try to make this work, but then we're not going to talk about it anymore. We're going to because we are all accountable for what we do or don't. So. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a challenge for a lot of leaders when they are. I don't know if we're talking about garden, when they have people that either are, aren't in the right place, either don't see the vision, resisting to it, you know, you got to trust in that leadership. And I think if there's no trust in the leadership, that can create a, a challenge and then trust needs to be earned. And so, and then at a point you have to say, okay, you know, I got other stuff to do right now. We can't right. keep well, And I think trust, trust is an important, important word. When things are going well, it is usually because there is a lot of trust. That doesn't mean there's universal agreement. You know, I'm surrounded by a whole lot of smart people who have ideas on how things should go, and they may have a different idea. And usually I'll say, well, if you were sitting where I am, given the same array of information, you might do something different, but I'm I'm in the seat. And this is how we're going to do it. And, you know, that goes a long way. If you just if you're clear on here's why I am making this decision, 
based on this array before me. Again, even if they don't agree, they will nod and say, okay, it's yours to do and we're with you. And that makes a huge difference. I love that. I think uh, uh, folks listen to that again because, you know, you when you can put the shoe on the other foot uh, of whoever you're talking to, it's I, I think it could be a valuable tool. And I've already got somebody in mind that I'm going to send this to be like, listen to this twice and then have your conversation with your team member. Uh, Dr. Saunders, as we finish up here, I'm just so curious um, from your perspective, the future of education. So there's a lot of conversation about disengagement. There's a lot of people saying, you know, jobs, technology is changing quickly. Life is changing quickly. Um, I did part of the strategic plan for the Faculty of Applied Science for the um, University of British Columbia. I worked with them on what is the future of education, and that was some years ago. You're working in STEM. You're, you're seeing the trends in the future. What excites you about education and where do you see it going from from your seat and your experience? And then we'll wrap up. Well, we're, you know, I, we're in it. <laughs> we're in the future of education. Uh, we've had a major disruption. We all had to respond with COVID. We all had to respond. Some, up, some did it better than others. And then as we're, you know, what we say coming back, you know, the question is, do we really want to look like we did? two years ago. Do we need all these buildings? Uh, Do we need different buildings? Now that we know we can work remotely, do we need to do more of that? Do we need to give our employees more flexibility? And, And so we're at this wonderful kind of turning point that we only talked about a few years ago. And certainly, you know, there, there are political pressures. People see the role of higher ed differently. And I think, it's going to take a while before we see maybe the other side of this change. But, you know, should higher ed get you a job? You know, what what is the responsibility of, of an event of a degree? But I think education makes you alive, it makes you more alive. And, and I think that the more you know, you know, the more you understand, the more you can inquire, then you're going to have a, a fuller, richer life. And so I don't think it's ever going to go away. Maybe the structures will. Maybe, you know, we won't have colleges of, you know, health and science and music or whatever uh, in the same form that we're having them now. Uh, I think it'll be a lot more dynamic. Uh, but at the end of the day, knowledge is knowledge. I mean, that is our industry. That's what we do. We create it in our labs and we disseminate it in our classrooms and we exercise it through applied service and we preserve it in our libraries. And as long as knowledge is needed, we're going to always have a job. Might look a little different, but it, it will never not be important to humanity. Yeah, I got that. I think it's the what and the why are going to be constant, but the how might change. And uh, I can't remember what the expression you said, the the, the gateway to something, uh, but creating a gateway to the future through our education, I think is going to be uh, very cool. So I'm sure you're excited to see what that future is. I'm sure every all listeners are excited to look at that. And I think that no matter what happens, you know, developing people and helping them be prepared for the future is key. Where can folks learn more about you? Where can they connect? Where can they enroll in a program? If they, uh, lots, so lots and lots of things. I would have them start with uwf.edu. 
and that will link them to programs that will link them to the president's office. I'm on social media, uh, Dr. M.D. Saunders, uh, on everything except TikTok. I hadn't figured that one out yet. <laughs> so I'm always happy to uh, engage with people uh, and on social media as well. Excellent. Thank you, Dr. Saunders. It has been a personal pleasure. It's been a professional pleasure. Uh, I just, uh, I really appreciate uh, those gardening metaphors. You can't go wrong with those. So I appreciate all the time and energy from today. Folks, thank my guest, uh, Dr. Marsha Saunders, Martha Saunders, who is the president of the University of West Florida. Make sure you check out, oh, plug for the campus. I hear it's a beautiful, big, wonderful looking campus. Can you tell us 16, a little bit about the campus itself? 1,600 acres that look more like a park than uh, a typical college campus. It is gorgeous. It's a happy place to work. It's probably because we can all get out and walk around and get away from each other sometimes. So it's <laughs> Perfect. If you're in West Florida, go check 1600 acres. That's not a bad, uh, not a bad place to go, not a bad place to work, and I'm sure not a bad place to learn from. So uh, Dr. Saunders, thank you for your time today. It's been a pleasure. And everybody, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I hope you have a lovely day. And we'll see you next time. Take care. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. We post twice a week, so you can count on us for your weekly source of content to help you grow and expand as a leader. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please consider giving us a review. We read every single one, and it helps us make a better show for you, the listener. Also, it helps more people find the show, which means we can help as many people as possible. We appreciate you listening and following along, and we hope you have a wonderful rest of the day. And as Anthony says, until next time.